All right, let's go into our uh, time of, uh, of, of Scripture this morning. And uh, uh, Psalm chapter 1 is where you might want to go at the, for the moment. I'll read a couple, uh, just a couple of uh, quotes while you're looking that up. As we talk about prayer, we've talked about the power of prayer. We've talked about uh, making sure that we're in righteous, staying in the righteousness of God so that when we talk to God, he can hear our prayers instead of us ignoring our problems and our sin and he can't hear us because of our sin and so on. But today I want to talk to you about prayer and its relationship with the word of God and the power in the word of God, the power of prayer and the power of the word of God. So keep that in our minds as we move forward this morning. Abraham Lincoln was quoted to say, I have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all, that of all about me seemed insufficient for the day. And another unknown quote or an unknown person said life is fragile handle it with prayer seems like a something that somebody would put on a refrigerator or something to kind of remind as a reminder and then finally this one will focus on a lot better what we're talking about this morning another one un, who we don't i don't know who the, who said this but i didn't it says nothing nothing lies outside the reach of prayer except that which lies outside the will of god hello that's where, we're, that's where we've been focusing for the last few weeks as we talk about prayer. And it seems, you know, I wrestle with it sometimes because I'm, I'm, I'm preaching these sermons about prayer and I feel like I'm preaching the same sermon every week. Mostly because they're all connected, right? And also because prayer is, the key to prayer is the will of God, isn't it? Say it over here, maybe you can hear it. The key to prayer is the will of God, right? Because the prayer of a righteous man availeth much, right? And remember, we, I'm going to bring up two more pieces of scripture that we've studied in the last couple of weeks about where Jesus teaches that you can have whatever you ask. Remember that? But there's some requirements there. If you remain in me, remember? If you remain in the will of God, if you, if you obey what I command, if you're in the will of God, your prayers are powerful and effective. Matter of fact, let's look at those scripture now. Right there on the board, John 15, remember that's where we started. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. The truth remains in you. And he says, ask whatever you wish and it will be given. Everybody loves the idea that God would answer whatever prayer you offer up. Whatever you ask God, it can be yours. Everybody loves that idea. The problem is, is we have a hard time getting to the point where that's effective in our life and real. Because it means we have to be in his will. Right? We talked about that already in our first sermon, in our first message. First John, we talked about in another message. First John chapter 3, verse 21, 22, says, Dear friends, if our hearts uh, do not condemn us, and that's where we talked about we need to get rid of sin so we can communicate with God effectively. He says, we have confidence before God. And receive from him anything we ask. There it is again. And this is not the only two places, is it? And every time he's saying, if, if you're with me, if you're in my will, if you are of Christ, 
then your prayer life will be in line with what God already wants. I think that's why some of our Christian brothers in India are so powerful in making disciples. Because they understand that stuff. And they deal with things that we never will have to deal with. Which draws them closer and closer to God, always. And I think that our challenges should do the same thing if we would allow God to have his way in our hearts. Remember James chapter 5? I think it's on the next slide. Yeah, remember uh, James chapter 5? The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And we always love to quote that part of the scripture, don't we? Because we want our prayers to be powerful and effective. Each one of us have our personal prayer list, our personal needs, our personal concerns about ourselves and our family members and our neighbors and our friends. And if we're really close to God, about people we don't even like, we're praying for. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. I wish, wish y'all could have been here with us. It was, a good, it was a good study together. I want to read Psalm 1 this morning. I'm going to read it all the way through, and then I'm going to try to talk about it uh, as best I can with the Lord's help so that we can have truth applied to our lives and we can be powerful witnesses, powerful workers for Christ, and that God would have his way not only in our hearts and in his church but in this community. Verse 1, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of, of, of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Verse 4, not so the wicked, they are like chaff, chafe, wherever you come from, that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. And finally, verse 6, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. What is, what is a race car driver without a race car? What is a postal worker who has no sense of direction? What about a bus driver who has no motor in his school bus? A rider with no pen and ink? Just go on down the list. You guys can make up as many as I can. What is, what is the believer, what is a disciple of Christ, a student of our Lord, who has no Bible, who has no word, who has no truth available? Right? What do we have if we don't have the word of God? Romans tells us that if, if we preach the word, then people can hear the word and then they might can get saved. It doesn't say it just like that. That's my backwoods way of saying it, but that's what it talks about. How do we preach the gospel if we don't know it and hear it ourselves? God does not hide himself completely from us. God does not want us to be unaware of him. He wants us to have his truth. And we praise God in this part of the world because no one is obstructing us from having this in our hand. No one is obstructing us from 
standing here talking to you and teaching you and preaching to you and praying together and studying together. Nobody's busting the door down, making us quit looking at this. Right? And if we talk about prayer and we talk about how we can have powerful prayers and how we can be in the will of God and like the the disciples went to Jesus and said, hey, we want to talk to, to the Father the way you do. How do we do that? Right? And he gave them this framework to how to talk to God and how to approach to God, how to approach God. And a lot of it had to do with God being God and him being Lord of all and his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Remember? God wants to answer our prayers, doesn't he? He wants us to communicate with him. But he's not our servant. And in, in order for our prayers to be powerful, and in order for us to pray in the will of God, we have to know the will of God, don't we? The only place I know to find the will of God is in his word. A lot of people come into the preacher's office saying, how do I know what God wants me to do? Or how do I know what, what, how to make what decision? Or how do I know that God's calling me for this? Or what do I do about my kids? And what do I do about my parents? And there is nothing that we can come against that's not spoken about in this word. It's in here. The problem is, is many times as believers, we live our busy lives, and then when something happens, we open the book and start flipping through to try to find the answer. And you're so far behind when you do that, you get frustrated because your prayers are not up to speed with what God's trying to do. This is, I don't know how many times I've been in hospital rooms and nursing homes and uh, people's houses and there's something bad going on in their life and they're really faithful, godly people and they know, I know that they know the word of God and they're starting to lose a little bit of hope because things are bigger than us in this world, right? And they're, they're not forgetting their faith, but the moment is so great, it's hard to draw on the faith because we're people and that's what happens. And I try to remind them, this is, this is why we've spent so much time in Bible study together. This is why we've spent so much time in prayer over the Word of God and trying to get it poured into our lives so that God would have something to work with through His Holy Spirit. So that when I can't get my mind right because of the stress of life, the Spirit of God will bring the truth from my heart to my mind and I can still walk in faith. That's where, that's where the Spirit offers up prayers that that when we can't utter things, we can't say things to God because we're just totally lost in stress or whatever, the Spirit of God goes before us. Make sense? Isn't that great, y'all? We're talking about the Lord here, and we're talking about our relationship with the Lord. It's okay to get excited about that. I'm so grateful that God is there for me, even when I don't really want him to be. Just being honest, I'm, I'm your preacher, but I'm just a guy, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes, sometimes, the Lord is tapping me on the shoulder trying to get me to get right. And he's doing that so that when things go bad, I'm going to still be able to have powerful and effective prayers because I've dealt with the problem beforehand. I've gone to him and repented when it's time to repent instead of waiting until something bad's happening and then try to make a deal with God. Right? We, we, we have to go on his terms, y'all. Let's break this down a little bit. So the first... Uh, first verses we'll talk about second and this and the last verses we'll talk about first verse four says not so the wicked they are like chaff like the wind blows away therefore the wicked look what it says the wicked will not stand 
It doesn't say that they won't stand in judgment. It means they will not, they will, they will not be able to stand. They will fail in the presence of God's judgment. If you were here with us when we studied through Revelation, it's clear that there's going to be a final judgment and it's going to be horrible for those who don't stand in his righteousness. It, why are we talking about all this? Because James says the prayer of a righteous man avails much. He says, verse, he, he says the sinners in the assembly of, of, of the righteous. In other words, everybody's going to meet God. You can't escape that. You're going to be in or you're going to be out. You're going to be in his blessings or you're going to be out of his blessings. You know, I, I used to be this person, and I've known many a people who... I remember the days, this is before I'm saved, y'all, so give me some grace. But I remember the days when I lived my own life, my own way. And when the consequences came for living like that, I found myself begging God for some relief. Wasn't even saved, didn't care about God. I knew that he existed, but I, it was only those moments at three or four in the morning when I'm about, I feel like I'm going to die because of my behavior. And the consequences of my behavior, and I'm crying out to God, just make it go away and I'll be better. I'm just making deals with God, and it doesn't work. Because I was not a righteous man. And God's waiting for me to come to him on his terms, not mine. Way too many times people want to live in the world, for the world, and be the king of their own kingdoms. But then when that doesn't work, they want to go and make a deal with God. Give me one more chance, I'll do better. I'll never do it again. If you just let me give me give me some relief, and I'll never do it again. And then he gives them relief, or they just get relief, and they're right back at it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We are called to be holy because He's holy. And if we're going to ask God and talk to God about the things of our life, the things of his kingdom, the things of, of, of the Christian way, and we want our prayers to be answered in, in these ways where it says, ask whatever you wish and I will make it happen. If we want that to be true for us and for the church and for our friends and neighbors and for the people on our prayer list, then we have got to obey what he commands. And we have to live in his righteousness. You see, your salvation and, your, and, and, and what Jesus did for you the benefit is we get to go be with heaven, in heaven with God. We get to be forgiven of our sins. That's great, but it's about him and his kingdom. It's about going out and letting somebody else have a chance to be saved because of what God's doing in you. And if I sit around wallowing in my worries, I can't be about the Lord's business at the same time and if I trust God I will say to God these are my needs these are my concerns this is my request if I trust him I will leave those there and then I will go back out and be about his business while I'm depending on him to deal with that make sense I can't say to God I'm not leaving here I'm not I'm, I'm not until you answer me the way I want I can't do it that's not the prayer of a righteous man that brings us back, I'm going to come back to this, but that brings us back to the first few verses here in, 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 chapter, in Psalm chapter 1. Let's go to verse 1 through 3. He says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked and stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. 
I love it when scripture tells me what not to do to be blessed. I'm being sarcastic because I don't really like to be told what to do. I'm getting better, y'all. I'm getting better. He says, don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. You can't keep going in the world and asking the world what to do about your life and expect God to bless that. can't stand in the way of sinners. In other words, your life has to look different than the life of a person who lives for wickedness, who refuses to repent. Just because all your friends are doing it doesn't mean it honors God. And just because you're the only Christian around doesn't mean God don't see it. You can't go into the world and be of the world and be of the kingdom of God at the same time. Look, 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 I like this three-letter word, the but, right? Sometimes the three-letter words are the most powerful words if you look at them close enough. He's like, here's what not to do if you want to be blessed, right? Here's what not to do. Sit in the seat of mockers, stand in the way of sinners, and, and, and walk in the counsel of the wicked. He says, here's what you do. The person who delights in the law of the Lord... And on his law, he meditates day and night. Come on, preacher, getting all carried away. I mean, I go to church. I go to church. I get a devotion sent to me on my text message every day. I read it. It takes me about three minutes. I read it. Ain't that enough? How do you know what to do? How do you know what God's will is for your life? How do you know what not to do? How does the Spirit of God have any resource to convict you or lead you if you don't know the Word of God? If you don't pour it into your mind, let it get past your mind, let it get into your heart, let the Spirit of God work in it, bring the truth back to your mind, and you're like, hey, here's my options. Three, four, and five are sinful, so those are out, according to Scripture. That means these other ones, they're not sinful, and let's just decide which one honors God the most, and let's do that. Sometimes I've worn out my brothers and my mentors with these kind of questions. I don't want any amens right now. <laughs> He's, he can testify that I've done this. What does God want me to do? I don't know how to, I don't know how to make this decision. This decision just over. I don't want to do the wrong thing, so I get stuck in doing nothing. And a few people over time has helped me understand that sometimes God is saying, any of these options you can do, as long as you do it to honor me, and I will bless you. Pick one. It's your choice. Sometimes we're looking for specific direction. What do I do? Do I do this? Do I do that? Do I go preaching, or do I go in the mission field? Do I go on, do I go on this mission trip, or do I serve here at the church? Yes. Do those things. He's waiting for you to do something so he can be a blessing through it to you and everybody else. And that's how you know the will of God. We're waiting for God to tell us what his will is for our life. And his will is that we love people and make disciples. Here's what I do know. This is from personal experience. God will correct me if I go the wrong way. I'm, I've learned to be okay with just taking a step of faith. Just go. 
And if it is not what he wants for me specifically, the Spirit of God will get a hold of me in a way that I cannot ignore. And it is okay to say, oh, let me go back and try again. I think that honors God. Because one, you're searching and pursuing his will, and two, you're paying attention to his spirit when he guides you. And your heart is for his will. If your heart is after his will, you will find it. And he will have his way. As long as we live in verse 2. You will not know what to do if you're not pouring the scripture into your mind and your heart on a regular basis. And what I don't mean, oh, I got to study my Bible. I got just got something I got to do. It's not like when I go to the gym, it's not because I want to. I, I, that might be obvious. <laughs> but when I do go to the gym, I, I do work out, and it does me some good. But God wants us to not work out spiritually because we have to, and we're forced to, and it becomes some laborious problem in our life. He wants us to crave His will in His Word. He wants us to miss it when we can't get it. He wants us to not be able to put it down. If you're going to ignore your spouse, it should be because you can't stop reading this Bible. If your wife or husband is talking to you and you're sitting here studying and you can't get your eyes off of it and the Spirit of God is doing stuff in your life and your wife or your husband is like, are you listening to me? That's the only time you're going to get away with saying, I'm busy right now, I'm talking to God, excuse me. But any other time, probably pay attention to what the spouse is doing, right? How on earth is me or my wife going to follow God together if we don't know the word together? Because he's not going to tell her something he's not, and tell me something different. And it's all going to agree with his word. And when we can't get along, I've said this before, when we can't get along, we can't figure it out, we have two different directions, guess who's wrong? And guess who's not wrong? God, ha God knows what he wants. It's up to us to get it together on the same page. Same thing in our church. He's not going to tell all y'all this church needs to be doing that and all y'all the church needs to be doing that. This particular example that's been presented to us this morning, I think it's pretty easy if we've been studying God's word what we need to do. Our question is how are we going to do that? We already know what we need to do for this issue. We already know what God wants us to do. There's no question about God's will in this, in this situation over there in India, is it? The question is, is how are we going to honor God and how are we going to get busy participating in this, in this problem in the church? Make sense? Too many, time, too many times we, we spend so much time asking God what to do, we don't do anything. My point being that if we would get in tune with his spirit, keep in step with his spirit, and, and get this word of God as part of who we are, you don't have to memorize uh, verse and scripture all the time. You just need to know what the truth is. The Spirit of God will reveal it to you in the moment. You're going to be right in the heat of a moment, and you're going to be like, whoa, maybe we should do Or here's something else that has been beneficial to me. God would surround me with a brother in Christ to call me out when I'm about to do something that doesn't agree with his will. Sometimes the Spirit of God works that way. Brother calls you up on the phone. It's like, hey, what's up with this? And I got an answer for that. Because I know what the will is. You can't be convicted of sin if you don't know what God's will is. If you're not meditating on the word, 
this is where it gets hard. He said, it says day and night. Psalm 1 is all about the people who are in and the people who are out with God. There's nobody in between. You're either in or you're out. The ones who are in who are the ones who meditate on this day and night. We should be studying his word so much that we have dreams about it. That it comes up in our conversation on a regular basis. That it comes up and, and, and we, we, we get puzzled by the, the details of what God's will is. You know, Jesus made it pretty plain, I think. Because the, the fellas, at the, the, the Pharisees, right? everybody was asking, what's the, what, what's the greatest commandments? Remember that? What did he say? Love God and love people. That's why it's, on, it's all over our church here. That's our, that's our goal, is to love God and love people. Seems simple, doesn't it? It was simple until we had Bible study this morning and talked about chapter 13 of Corinthians. And like, what is love? And we're like, uh-oh. The whole big discussion. How many ways can God love people? How many ways can we do it right? How many ways can we do it wrong? How do we know if we're doing it right? How do we know when we're doing it wrong? And I know that my brothers who have helped me over the years, I, I, know, that I know for a fact that they just want to tell me sometimes, look, just go ask God. Why do you keep asking me first? Go ask God. You already know the answer because you read the Bible. Am I right? You can say yes. <laughs> He's one of them. He's, this guy right here has helped me come into ministry. He was my son's youth minister. And anything that I do wrong, it's his fault. <laughs> this message is went. <laughs> Let me tell you something about what this scripture is telling us and, and our prayer life. And then we're going to go to Joshua chapter 1. Blessed is the man, the person, blessed who delights in his law. Law I, when I see the word law in the scripture like this, I, I hear the do's and don'ts, the guidelines, the rules. Just because we live in God's grace, just because we're forgiven by the blood of Christ, doesn't mean there are not rules for the Christian life. Make sense? I mean, we were taught that everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Why? Because not everything loves people the way God wants us to love people. How do we know? Meditate day and night. Did I, I told y'all last week how I quit smoking cigarettes when, after I got saved. Because when I first got saved, I was all on fire for the Lord. I couldn't get enough. I was sitting in the back of the church. The preacher was preaching his sermon. And I'm with one ear listening to his sermon. And I got my Bible open to something that I was reading that morning or earlier on, I just could not, I literally could not stop reading the Word of God because it was the first time I had ever chose to look at the Word of God and I couldn't put it down. And I heard out of the, in the sermon, I heard it off the side. He was like, it's not a sin to smoke cigarettes. <laughs> and, I, and I remember, I stopped reading. It got my attention so bad, I stopped reading. And I almost lit up a cigarette right there in the church because I was convicted about this. <laughs> I was like, I'm about to let that thing right up. And in the next statement, he came out and said, but it is a sin to be addicted to anything but God. And this is what I did, y'all. I, I was so convicted by what he just said. I, I was already convicted beforehand. It was just the final moment. I, I slammed my Bible. I was just like, I almost threw it on the floor. I was just like, man. Because I knew 
that if I was going to live this Christian life that I had committed to, I was just shown a guideline. I was just shown some rules that I had to deal with. And it was a moment in my life. It was a turning moment. It was a decision moment. Is this going to be genuine or is it going to be just playing games? And because I was so on fire for the Lord and I couldn't get enough of his word, I could not ignore that. I couldn't justify it away. I couldn't do anything. I had to deal with it. It's either me and what I want or God and what he wants. And it would have never happened had I not been in the word of God day and night. Had I not been listening to someone else teach the word of God every chance that I got. Make sense? Preachers don't just stand up here to give you answers to why your kids don't behave you. We're standing up here to help you understand that you have the resources for everything you need in this world. And it's only because you're in by faith. Right? If you're out, let's look at verse 6 real quick. If you're out, look what it says. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, you're in, but the way of the wicked perish. Do we think that God doesn't want to answer the prayers of those who aren't saved or who, who refuse him or reject him? Do we think that God is just saying, I don't like those people because they don't like me? Not according to John 3.16. What does John 3.16 say? Whosoever. God sent Jesus into the world for everybody. For all of us. When, he's, when, when it was Joshua's turn to lead the people into the promised land, he was given some instruction. Remember, First Joshua chapter 1? Look what he said, look what, look what he's told, what he's instructed. God was setting him up for success. Verse 6, he says, Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. He's like, look, Something big's happening, and you're part of it. So take courage about that. Verse 7 says, be strong and be very courageous. He said, be strong and courageous, and he's like, wait, wait, let me, let me make that clear. Be very courageous. Have confidence in God. And he says, be careful, look, to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. If you obey, you can ask whatever you wish, and I will give it. Remember, First John chapter 3. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Don't you love that kind of scripture? It says you're going to be successful, that you won't fail. I think that's one of the biggest fears that we have is failing. The end of verse 3 of Psalm 1 says, Whatever he does prospers, the one who meditates on his word day and night. The one who can't get enough of the truth of God's word. The one who can't put it down. Same thing he said to Joshua, verse 8 says, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Hello? I think I just heard that somewhere. So that you may be careful, look, not just for you to be blessed, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified and do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you forever that's some powerful encouragement from God that Joshua got 
God, I wish, I, I, sometimes I sit back and I'm just like, why doesn't God just somehow show up and say those things to us every now and then? <laughs> Thank you. And I'm like, duh, it's right here, y'all. <laughs> I struggle with it too. <laughs> the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It's right there. Whatever you do, you'll be successful. And don't misunderstand that scripture, y'all. Don't let me mislead you. We're talking about being successful in what Jesus called us to do. And if we're believers, fully committed, genuinely committed to Jesus as our Lord and Savior, living in his grace, forgiveness, through his Holy Spirit, then we need to be all about the Lord's business. Always. Every moment, every, every, every day, every month, every week, we need to be about the Lord's business. doesn't mean we can't have fun and go do stuff and live life and enjoy what things there are to enjoy in God's creation. It, we can do that, and we can still be the witness in the process. Sometimes people get saved because they see how you just live, how you enjoy your life, how you have fun with your family, and how you love each other, and how you sh share life with each other. I can tell you I got saved because I watched my wife's parents. I'm like, that's what I want. How do I get that? I don't understand. Right? I, I, I was trying to do it my way. They were doing it God's way. And I was like, oh. Well, I, okay, let's go do that. And then I signed up for that. I got saved. And then I was like, oh. <laughs> Not that easy, is it? <laughs> but thank God we have what we need. First, we need forgiveness. Then we need the presence of God in our life and we need his truth. We have everything we need to be successful in this world. Successful for God, successful so people can be saved. And I, and I have to believe that the situation that we're praying about in, in, in over in India, I mean, those, those people over there already make a lot of disciples. God uses them in great ways. I just have to believe that whatever they're suffering through and whatever ways they're suffering, God is going to use that also to make more disciples. I can see it happening. And we sit back and say, why would, why would God allow bad things to happen to people like that? Because he wants the world to see him work in that. And plus the world is contaminated with sin and there's wicked people in this world. So here we are, finishing up. I know you guys are waiting for me to finish. The warning is, verses 4 to 6, the wicked won't stand in, the, in God's judgment. If you're, if you're not living for God, if you're not saved, if you're not submitted to God and His Lordship over your life through Christ, the only way, if that's not you, then you're crying out to God in vain. And it's not because He wants it that way, it's because you want it that way. God so badly wants to communicate with you and to, and to bless you and to, and to lead you in a way where your prayers will be powerful. He, loved, he wants that so badly that He sent Jesus to die the way that He died. That's how bad God wants to talk to you. That Jesus would die the way he died. The question is, is how bad do we really want to talk to God? How bad do we really want to live in his will? Because some people are like, oh, I want to be in his will. Right? I, I want, when I say, raise your hand if you want to live in God's will, everybody in this room is going to raise their hand and people on uh, Facebook are going to hit the like button. I guarantee it's going to happen like that. 
But God knows if we're genuine and we really want to live in his will. Here's how I know that, because there's times when he's trying to get me to repent of something and I'm arguing with him. Do I really want to live in his will or not? I'm praying that I'm not, I'm not the only one, because that means I'm the, only, I'm the only sinner in the world. I know that's not true. I want y'all to be right with God so that when you talk to God, it's, it's powerful and effective, and we get to enjoy the blessings of making disciples. Y'all, when people come in here to get baptized because they're exposed to God and his kingdom and the, and the gospel message, and they get convicted and they finally give themselves over to that, to his will, isn't it an awesome moment? Don't we want that? Don't we want to be part of the body of Christ that people are just running to, to know him? Not because we're special or we're something great, but because God is active in our lives. Because when we talk to him, it means something. When we say things to him, it comes straight from here. It's in total agreement with what he's already said. Of course he wants people to get saved. But if I pray for my neighbor to get saved because he's ticking me off, <laughs> Lord, that guy right there needs Christ, and he's aggravating the fool out of me. Maybe if he gets saved, then he won't aggravate me. That's pretty selfish if you ask me to pray something like that. Do I want him to get saved because I know he's lost, and I've been there too? And I don't want him to spend eternity without God? That's a better prayer, isn't it? That seems like a more genuine prayer in line with God's will. I love y'all and the Lord loves you, but we can't play both sides of the fence and expect our prayers to be powerful. Can't do it. I don't want you to do it. I don't think you really want to do it, but we do it, don't we? We're not any different than Paul. He's like, man, I can't. I'm trying to do this. I just can't do it. I know I should be doing this, but I keep doing this over here. Here's what I do know. <laughs> if I get... If, if I get absorbed and obsessed with what's in this Bible, I can't see all the worldly things that Satan wants to use to pull me away from God because I'm too busy looking in here. And I'm too busy talking to God. The old self has to die. And the only way I know to, to keep him dead is to stay in the truth. So then we ask ourselves, are we prepared for what God's will is in our lives? Hello? Are we prepared? Are you prepared to pray the prayer, your will be done, and then it be done? Are you really prepared for that? Are you prepared for people to come to Christ if we live this way? In our homes in our community and here in this church is the way we serve together. Are we prepared for, for God's will to be done? Because God's will is that people would run to this place and find Jesus. Are we prepared for that? We want that. We say we want that, but are we really prepared? I hope we are. I want to be prepared. Are we prepared for Oak Grove to grow for the glory of God? Oak Grove Christian Church right here, whatever God's put together right here, are we prepared to give God the glory for it all? Do we want this church to grow in whatever way God wants it to grow for his glory because he deserves it? Or are we really wanting it to grow so that we can make ourselves look good or some other reason that doesn't agree with his will? Are you really prepared for God to have his way in your heart? I thought I was when I was a young Christian. I really did. 
I know I wanted it, but I wasn't prepared for what God was about to do in my life. I'm still not totally prepared. I'm still, I'm a work in progress like the rest of you. Sometimes things take me by surprise. Kurt and I were talking just yesterday during lunch about some of the crazy things that's happened in our ministries and the people we've met and the crazy things that they do. Sometimes we were baffled and sometimes we were saddened. Sometimes it was funny. Every one of you are a minister of the gospel. You're saved. Each one of us have been sent into the world to make disciples. We've made a commitment to be disciple makers. And if you got saved just so you can go to heaven and that was it, then we need to have lunch after church and talk about it. Each one of you have the same responsibility. My question is, do you really want to be successful with that? Do you really want to make disciples? I, I want to believe that you are disciple makers and you really want people to get saved and you really want to see God have his way in this church. I think that that's true for the people that are congregating at this church. I really do. But really, God knows the truth, doesn't he? You know the truth. I, got, I can look in the mirror and if I'm honest with myself, I might find some ways that I can do better. Right? The key is to praise God for what he's already doing. For already having his will in our life. But also seek the Lord to do better. Always doing better. Always working harder. Always seeking the Lord more. Confidence. That's what he told Joshua. He said, take courage. Stand up tall. You're Joshua. And you're going to take these people in the promised land what he needed and Jesus saying you need to go out there in the world and get these people and let them know that they have an opportunity to go into the kingdom of God for eternity that's our that's our responsibility and I think that God if he was standing right here if Jesus was standing here saying himself he would say take courage have confidence that I'm going to go with you wherever you go you stand firm in my will and I will have my way isn't that great prayer of a righteous man it doesn't work without the word of God it doesn't work without the Holy Spirit and it doesn't work without a surrendered heart I love you and the Lord loves you we're going to sing a song and if we're singing this song and you're not saved if you're one of the ones that are out it's real easy to figure that out if you believe that Jesus is the Christ you can accept him as your Lord and Savior by faith which should lead you to repent of living as an offender of God. And then we stand before the world and we say, Jesus is my Lord. We're instructed to be immersed for the forgiveness of our sins so that we can receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what it, that's what it is. Now's the time to do that if you haven't. Ready? Let's stand together and sing.